So David Dunlop is not with us this morning, and I sense there's a, a little bit of disappointment. <laughs> no more so than with me, myself. <laughs> no, it's my privilege to be able to open God's Word this morning. Um, when I heard that there was going to be a series in Nehemiah, I said to David I was really looking forward to it, because Nehemiah is one of my favorite Bible characters, and that's true. But be careful what you say, people. Only a, a couple of weeks ago, I got an email from David. Given your love of Nehemiah, would you, <laughs> would you be willing to speak on, uh, on the 27th of November because he's away for the weekend? I had no real reason not to, so I said yes. And then I looked at Nehemiah chapter 7, the long list of names. And I thought, aha, I know why he's away this weekend. He's been doing so well, building up to a crescendo in, in chapter 6 and now to chapter 7. But... Um, we're here, and uh, I do love Nehemiah. Um, Nehemiah is a real kind of hero of mine. I think he's a great man of action, a man of decisive action. And if you think about Nehemiah, I can almost see him starring in his own action hero movie, Nehemiah. And uh, I think he's the sort of guy you'd love to probably hang out with. He's, he's bound to be a good guy to be around. But he took action out of the right context. Nehemiah took action from his heart, and he did what God put into his heart. And we get that in, in chapter 7, verse 5. Two weeks ago, David spoke on chapter 6, where Nehemiah was dealing with relentless opposition. We learned that what Nehemiah went through, we probably will, and what Nehemiah did, we probably should. He was discerning, he was resolute, and he prayed. And in chapter six, the wall was finished. So what's next? Chapter seven, the long list of names. But we believe all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And that's in 2 Timothy 3.16. So the list is important, and God has it here in the Bible for a reason. Doubly so, in fact. The, the list of names is, is almost exactly the same as, as Ezra 2. I'm going to spend most of my time thinking about the first few verses in chapter 7, but I will touch on the list. So let's stand for the public reading of God's Word in Nehemiah chapter 7. I'll not read all of it. I'll kind of, we'll read the first bit and then I'll, I'll walk you through the rest of it. Now, when the wall was built and I had set up the doors and the gatekeepers, the singers and the Levites had been appointed, I gave my brother Hanani and Hananiah, the governor of the castle, charge over Jerusalem. For he was a more faithful and God-fearing man than many. And I said to them, let not the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun is hot. And while they are still standing guard, let them shut and bar the doors. Appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem, some at their guard posts and some in front of their own homes. The city was wide and large, but the people within it were few, and no houses had been built. Then my God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles and the officials and the people to be enrolled by genealogy. And I found the book of the genealogy of those who came up at first, and I found written in it, 
These were the people of the province who came up out of the captivity of those exiles whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried into exile. They returned to Jerusalem and Judah, each to his own town. They came with Zerubbabel, Jeshua, Nehemiah, Azariah, Ramiah, Nahamani, Mordecai, Bilshan, Misprith, Bigvi, Nahum, Bana. And then we have the number of the men of the people of Israel listed from verse 8. And then we have the priests listed from verse 39. And then you see the Levites, they're listed from verse 43. The temple servants are listed from verse 46. With the sons of Solomon's servants from verse 57. And all the temple servants from verse 60 are numbered with the sons of Solomon's servants. And then verse 61, we have those that couldn't prove their descent. And verse 66, the whole assembly together was 42,360. There were some servants and singers, horses and mules and donkeys. And then in verse 70, now some of the heads of the father's house give to the work. The governor gave a treasury 1,000 darics of gold. Now I looked up what that was going to be worth in today's price per gold. And it was uh, about 270,000 pounds worth of gold in today's money. And then in verse 71, and some of the heads of the father's house give to the treasury of the work 20,000 darics of gold. And that's equivalent to about 5.3 million pounds worth of gold. Verse 72, and when the rest of the people give was 20,000 darics of gold, again about 5.3 million, some silver and some priest garments. Verse 73, so the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, some of the people, the temple servants and all Israel lived in their towns. And when the seventh month had come, the people of Israel were in their towns. Please take your seats. So Nehemiah was a man of decisive action, action that mattered. Do you ever wonder if what you do matters? Do you ever feel a sense of futility from the daily grind? The Dalai Lama was asked what surprised him most about humanity, and he answered, man, because he sacrifices his health in order to make money, then he sacrifices money to recuperate his health. And then he's so anxious about the future that he doesn't really enjoy the present, the result being that he does not really live in the present or the future. He lives as if he's never going to die, and then he dies as if he's never really lived. So you might ask yourself, how can I really live? How can I take actions that, that matter? How can I spend my life so that it counts for something worthwhile? Would you believe it? Nehemiah chapter 7 has some of the answers to these important questions. What I've taken as, as a message from Nehemiah chapter 7 is to count for God, commit yourselves to things that matter to God. And if we spend our lives committed to the things that matter to God, if our lives count for God, then they count not just for now, but for eternity. Let's look at the text. I want to 
kind of quickly walk through some of the verses, picking out a few key points, and then I'm going to come back and, and home in on one of them. Nehemiah chapter 7 is a, is a pivot point in the book of Nehemiah. Chapters 1 to 6 describe the restoration of the wall, and chapter 8 through to 13 tell about the restoration of the people. And chapter 7 looks forward to the reforms of the second half of the book by showing how Nehemiah started to prepare to repopulate the city so that it would become a vital center for national and spiritual life. In verse 1, having restored the gates and the walls, Nehemiah's next task was to restore the people. He appointed the gatekeepers, or in King James Version, it talks about the porters, the singers, and the Levites. And they were appointed to take action that mattered. They were appointed to their work. To some degree, their work had been neglected, and their work was a work of worship. They had been helping out building the walls, but now it was, it was back to business. Because worship matters to God. This is the priority here once the city was fortified. The gates and walls protect the people, but they will also ensure that worship can take place. And worship of God in the temple was the city's very reason for existence. In chapter two, sorry, in verse two, Nehemiah is now contemplating his return to Susa. And Nehemiah was an exemplary leader, and he realized that to be effective, he needed to delegate some responsibility to competent men that he could trust. And the main requirement Nehemiah had for this was was good character, godly character. Hananiah, his brother, was the, he was the guy who, who started everything. And in chapter 1, verse 3, we read about how he came and, and told Nehemiah that the exiles in Jerusalem were in great trouble and shame. Hananiah really cared, and he was a man of proven integrity and affection for his country. The other guy we hear about here is Hananiah. And it is said that Hananiah, <coughs> excuse me, Hananiah was a faithful man and that he feared God above many. It is Hananiah's faithfulness that gives Nehemiah confidence. And he knows that Hananiah's fear of God will stand him in good stead against any opposition that might come. And we know about the opposition that we read about in, in chapter six with David a few weeks ago. To count for God, we need to commit ourselves to worship and to godly character, because these things matter to God. Looking at verse three, we read that Nehemiah next gives orders about the shutting of the gates and the guarding of the walls and the setting up of a watch. Nehemiah trusted God, but he also set up a watch. And this isn't the first time that he did this, and the two ideas are not in opposition. First Peter five, verse eight warns us, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls along like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And we do need to watch out for the spiritual dangers in our life, in our marriages, in our families, in our friendships. Looking on to verse 4, we see that a lot of the city lay in waste, and Nehemiah walled the city in faith. In verse 5, he assembles the people to be enrolled, and he acted from the heart. He acted from his inner core. And because he was in tune with God, he knew that what was in his heart was, was from God. And this is critical to all that is about Nehemiah's character. 
And his action was to assemble the nobles and the officials and the people to be enrolled by genealogy. And he reviewed the old register of those who came up with Ezra a number of years ago and compared the people with it. And here we have the repetition of, of Ezra too. The repetition of, of these people in Scripture shows that the delight that, that God took in the people, in the families, and the notice that he took of them. Because people matter to God. From a historical salvation perspective, this Jewish genealogical list is important because with this and other records, once the Messiah came, once Jesus came, it was important to be able to prove that he was descended from the tribe of Judah in the lineage of David. Although the names on the list do not mean a lot to us, perhaps, they mean something to God. He knows his people by name. And Jesus, the good shepherd, calls his own sheep by name, and they follow him because they know his voice, John 10, 3, verse 4. People matter to God. And the fact that individuals matter to God mean that they should also matter to us. If we invest our lives building into people, if we invest our lives building Jesus Christ into people, our lives will count for God and count for eternity. And if we want to know how to really live, how to spend our life so that it counts for something worthwhile, we need to commit to the things that matter to God. Worship, a godly character, and, and people. I want us to look a little bit more at, at godly character and the key characteristics that set Hananiah apart, the fact that, that he was faithful. The Hebrew word for faithful is emun, and it means reliable, truthful, and firm. <coughs> Hananiah was a man you could really depend on. He spoke the truth, and if he promised to do something, he did it. If you wanted your life, and if you want your life to count for God, work at becoming a faithful person. You may have heard about Senator Mark Hatfield as he toured um, around Calcutta with Mother Teresa. And he's, as he saw the sick children cared for in their last days and the poor lined up by their hundreds to receive medical attention. And watching Mother Teresa minister to these people, feeding and nursing those left by others to die, Hatfield was overwhelmed by the sheer magnitude of the suffering she and her co-workers faced. And he asked, how can you bear the load without being crushed by it? And Mother Teresa replied, my dear Senator, I'm not called to be successful. I'm called to be faithful. And faithfulness is also an essential ingredient in relationships. If you think someone's not reliable or truthful, you're not gonna get close to that person. You keep your distance. And we sing, what a faithful God have I. And the Bible tells us that God is faithful. And since our God is a faithful God, we should have no concern about getting deeper and deeper into relationship with him and practicing the, the presence of God. There's a little nugget in this chapter that we've already reflected on that's core to Nehemiah's character that I'd almost like to, to, us to chew on a little bit more. 
and that's in verse 5. Which Nehemiah says, God put into my heart, and Nehemiah acted from the heart. Nehemiah practiced the presence of God. He was constantly praying all sorts of prayers, but also we have examples in Nehemiah, two examples where God spoke directly to him. One of them is in chapter 7, verse 5. Then my God put into my heart to assemble the nobles, the officials, and the people. Nehemiah was receptive to the guiding hand of God. And we see here also a beautiful example of a faithful God and a faithful Nehemiah in, in deep relationship. David spoke Sunday evening two weeks ago about guarding our hearts from Proverbs 4.23, David's life verse. And he challenged us about what we're doing to guard our hearts. And do we think about what we say, what we, what we see, and where we go? Guarding our hearts will help us be more receptive to the, the guiding hand of God, our faithful friend. To close, I want to briefly suggest three ways to develop faithfulness. Think about relationships. Our relationship with, with God and, and Jesus Christ is our priority. If it goes, everything else goes. Think about relationships with our family. Timothy says in 1 Timothy 3, 4 to 5, if I do not order my family relationship properly, I'm not qualified to lead in the local church. And we see that relationships are so important with people that John writes, if I do not love my brother whom I have seen, I cannot love God who I have not seen. So as well as thinking about relationships, secondly, Think about responsibilities. Recognize and define that the responsibilities that God has given you as an individual. As a husband, you're to love your wife as Christ loved the church. As a parent, you're responsible to train your children in God's ways. As a member of Christ's body, you're responsible to serve him in some sort of capacity. And you can't be faithful if you're not really sure what you're supposed to be doing. Remember the list of people that mattered to God contained all sorts of people in all sorts of walks of life, and they all mattered to God. So think about where you are, where God has placed you, and recognize the responsibilities that God has given you. So as well as relationships and, and responsibilities, thirdly, start with the little things. If you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful with much. And that's in Luke 16, verse 10. In that context, little things refers to managing the money that God has entrusted you with. Do we encourage our children to tithe from their pocket money? Students, you may be skint. I remember it well. But are you being faithful with the, the, the little cash that you may have? We see in Nehemiah 7 how some give to the work. We don't read that all give to the work. We read that some give to the work. And maybe that's what God wants to say to somebody here this morning. We've, we've got to work here at Windsor. We're establishing a new building. We want to move forward to repopulate the majestic so that it would become a vital center for spiritual life in South Belfast. I was tempted to parallel 
Nehemiah 7 with our situation here at Windsor. Chapters 1 to 6 describing the restoration of the wall and restoring the majestic. And chapter 7, as we look forward to the restoring of the people, or a revival of God's people and revival in Lisburn Road, what structures should we put in place? Worship, delegation, godly character. You can see where I was going with this. And perhaps you would have preferred that sermon, but... Um, I, th- I, th- I thought I was going to be maybe inferring too much, but I think it's definitely not a stretch to see that at the end of Nehemiah 7, people gave to the work of restoring the city. And that might be what someone needs to hear this morning. But the message this morning from Nehemiah 7 is to count for God, commit to the things that matter to God, worship godly character and people. And if you want godly character, focus on being faithful. And to nurture faithfulness, think about relationships, the responsibilities that he's given you, and and start with the little things. One final point on being faithful. We see in the life and the work of Nehemiah (coughs) a spiritual pattern that's consistent throughout the Bible and church history that is a, a prerequisite to a moving of God that results in spiritual renewal and and, and restoration. What God put into Nehemiah's heart to do, namely the rebuilding of the walls, started as as a burden that Nehemiah couldn't shake. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, Nehemiah says in chapter one, verse four. The burden that Nehemiah had dwarfed every other care and concern in his life. And when God gets ready to do something significant in regards to restoring lives from spiritual ruin, he shares his burden with someone. I'm not just talking about the need, I'm talking about the, the burden. Nehemiah had it made in many ways. He was cupbearer to the king. It could have been easy for him to be so wrapped up in the comforts and pleasures of life that he was indifferent to what was going on in Jerusalem. But Nehemiah wasn't indifferent. He was broken over the ruin of Jerusalem and the shame it was to God's people. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you, you sense God giving you his burden for something. And we pray that through you, God will do something significant in regards to restoring a life or lives that are in spiritual ruin. Listen to God's word in your heart. Be receptive And for all of us, my God, who is faithful, give us his grace and his strength to be faithful and to develop faithfulness so that one day, as he has now said to our our dear brother, James Greenwood, and others that we know and love that have gone to be with him, well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you. My John.